before they go out. But I'm looking forward to hearing a message today, Brother Keithley. Would you come and preach the word of God to us? Church, can we stand and welcome him to this pulpit? God, we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Why don't we clap our hands to Jesus one more time? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Anybody like what you feel this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It certainly feels good in the house of the Lord. Man, um, if you can't feel uh, what I feel this morning, then I guess your feeler's broken. Praise God. You may need to get it repaired. Um, but you know what? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. And, and the freedom that you feel to clap your hands and to move and to express yourself is not coincidental. Amen. It is not incidental. It is because the presence of Almighty God is in this house. If you have your Bibles, amen, this morning, amen, the book of 2 Kings chapter number 13, verses 14, 2 Kings 13, verses 14, I give honor to Pastor Prado in his absence and thank him for the invitation and, um, uh, and, and the, the privilege uh, to be here this morning. Amen. 2 Kings 13, verses 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bows and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it, whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Amen. I want to preach to you from this subject title for the next few moments, a window of opportunity. Amen. The window might close very soon, but today we have a window of opportunity. Let's put our Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to help us. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch my mind, that I could think your thoughts, that you would loose my lips, that I might speak your words. Your words said, if any man speak, let him speak as an oracle of God. And I pray, God, that you would touch the ears of the hearers, that they may receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. amen. One more time, why don't you clap your hands and give God some praise.
in order to understand this text, you have to fully understand the life and the character of Elisha. There are a few individuals who are more powerfully used by God than Elisha. Like his mentor Elijah, Elisha was known for the miracles that God performed through him. Elisha was the miracle man of the people and of dignitaries alike. He counseled the poor and the rich. His miracles were unique in that nearly all of them were to ease the pain and suffering of others. A woman who was in great debt and at risk of having her sons sold into slavery sought the help of Elisha, and he commanded her to borrow pots from her neighbors and pour what little bit of oil she had left into those pots. And her one little pot of oil miraculously filled all of the vessels that she had borrowed. Elisha prophesied to a barren couple that they would have a child, and one year later they had a child. A few years later, that same child would die in his mother's arms, but Elisha would return and restore life to the dead boy. That boy would later become the prophet known as Habakkuk. When the Syrian general Naaman fell ill with leprosy, he called for Elisha. Elisha refused to go, and so instead Naaman goes to him. And when he arrives, Elisha asked him to dip in the Jordan River seven times. No sooner had he carried out the prophet's instruction than his skin changed back to that of a newborn. The interesting thing about many of the miracles of Elisha is that they required an unusual amount of participation on the part of the recipient. The widow in debt had to borrow as many pots as possible and pour oil into every last one. Naaman had to dip in the Jordan seven times as opposed to just once or even twice. So it would seem obvious to all who were aware of the reputation of Elisha that when you came to him or he came to you, you didn't just do what he did your best to go above and beyond. Amen. Because what, at the end of the day, is your miracle worth to you? You did it quickly and you did it completely. On his deathbed, a young king comes seeking the help of Elisha. This would be Elisha's very obvious last miracle. Elisha asks him for a bow and arrows, and they open the window, and Elisha places his hands on the hands, on the hands of the young king, and he helps him take his shot. Then Elisha commands the king to take the remaining arrows and to begin to strike the ground as a symbolic gesture. Amen, that would further, amen, his determination to see a miracle. The king does this, but only three times. We can infer here that he has more than three arrows. You would think that his last miracle would be his most powerful or most memorable. But it is actually one of the more disappointing stories in the Bible. Not because of Elisha, but because of the king's failure to discern the significance of the moment. The prophet was not upset that the king missed his miracle, but that he didn't maximize his miracle. You see, there are three things that you can do when you get an opportunity in life. You can miss the opportunity, you can take the opportunity, and you can maximize the opportunity. And God's people, God's people are a blessed people. 
Amen. And that's because God holds us to a higher standard. And that's because when opportunities come your way, they are not average opportunities. They are miracles. And when you are a child of God, to fail to maximize your opportunity is the same as missing your opportunity. I'm here to preach to you today that God is not short on miracles. God is short on people who are willing to participate in the maximizing of the miracle that God wants to do in your life. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1. To everything there is a season and a time and to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Life is cyclical and repetitious by nature. Moments come and go and many times moments are similar. However, we understand that not all moments are created equal. There are moments in life that seldom, if ever, present themselves twice. These moments we call opportunities. They're unique simply in that the right things happen to the right people at the right time, at the right place, and never again. The right time it was the right time because we know that Elisha was sick but not dead. Amen. The young man needed a miracle and he went to the right place at the right time. Let me tell you something. Amen. You may think, amen, that opportunities will not come your way. Amen. But let me tell you, amen, just because the old prophet is sick doesn't mean he's dead. Amen. The right place. Amen. The Bible tells us that they opened the window that faced the east. This was no coincidence because Syria was directly to the east. Amen. The young king and Elisha, amen, were the right people in the right place at the right time. Amen. That was the direction. Amen. That was the area. Amen. That was where his need, amen, was coming from. Amen. Furthermore, the right person, of course, the king himself and the old prophet. And the right thing began to take place. The old prophet, amen, says, take your bow. And the young man takes his bow and the old prophet places his hands, amen, on the hands of, amen, the king. This was a signal and a symbolic gesture that as he took his shot, God would be with him. Amen. Some of us, uh, in the face of opportunities, we hesitate. Uh, but let me tell you, as you begin to take your shot, amen, God is on you. His spirit is on you. His spirit is in you. Take the shot. Amen. Given all of these things, some people still miss their opportunity. 
Gehazi, the student of Elisha, missed his opportunity to receive the same mantle of miraculous ministry. Esau missed an opportunity to receive his inheritance. Moses missed the opportunity to go to the promised land. Peter missed his opportunity to stand up for Jesus in his hour of need. Instead, cursed him, amen, and denied him. Amen, Ananias and Sapphira missed their opportunity to be blessed by withholding their tithe. Amen, Simon the sorcerer missed his opportunity to receive the Holy Ghost when he instead offered to buy the Holy Ghost. The rich young ruler missed his opportunity to be the 13th disciple Amen. And Agrippa, amen, missed his opportunity to be the first king convert when he told Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Amen. It does not matter, amen, whether you miss or take the opportunity. Amen. When you're a child of God, there is only one option to maximize, amen, the moment that God. Amen. I like what David said. David said in Psalm 1834, he teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken in my arms. And then I used to think that David was bragging about and then how strong he was. Amen. And that and that he could take a bow made out of steel and perhaps bend it over his knee and crack it. Amen. But that's not how you use a bow. You use a bow by pulling back. Amen. On the bow string. Amen. David had been trained to fight from such a young age. He had learned the value of every single shot. He had learned the value of every single arrow. He had learned the value of every single opportunity. And the thing about opportunity is unless you have discernment, amen, you can only grasp them as they approach and never as they pass. In fact, uh, the ancient storyteller Aesop, amen, who told stories like the tortoise and the hare, also told a story about a statue called Opportunity. Man, this statue of a young man who had one lock coming off the front of his head. He was balanced on a wheel. And Aesop depicted him in this way because he understood that opportunity can only be grasped as it approaches you. And he described the statue as being bald from the back. Praise God. Amen. Some people don't see opportunity till his bald head passes. Amen. You have to learn to get discernment and to take the shot when God gives you the opportunity. And David knew the the importance of every single arrow in his quiver. And that's why he said, when I pull back on that bowstring, he said, I can snap the bow. And then I don't waste arrows. I don't waste potential energy. I don't waste spiritual kinetic energy. When I shoot, I take my best shot. And I'm here to preach to you today, amen, East Bay Bible Fellowship, that you were on the precipice of the greatest revival of your lifetime. And this church and this congregation and the individuals that make up the fabric of this congregation are being presented with the opportunity. And if you fail to maximize on what God is doing in your life. Amen. You will find out that missed opportunity is the mother of all regrets. And unless you decide to dig your heels in, to put a stake in the ground, and to chase... 
It's time to maximize your opportunity this afternoon. It's time to maximize every prayer meeting, every church service, every Bible study, every outreach, every Sunday school. to maximize your praise, your worship, your consecration, your holiness, your giving, your loving. Amen. How do you maximize an opportunity? Step number one is you have to have spiritual discernment. Some people wonder why opportunities never come their way. They actually come quite frequently to all of us, but only those of us who've been prayed up and stayed up, and then will recognize what is coming our direction. The next verse, after that young man failed to maximize his opportunity, it said the prophet died, and that was it. That moment could never be reproduced. That moment will never return. It will never come back. And he didn't even miss the opportunity. He just didn't make the most of the opportunity. And so we need discernment. And some people have been so numbed and traumatized by life that their, that their mind and their psyche and their spirit a man has, has, some people have no discernment because life has traumatized them to the point where they don't feel nothing. Amen. And sometimes you just got to make yourself vulnerable again and feel the significance of a moment. Come on, come on, Joash. Yeah, come on, young king. The prophet might not be here tomorrow. Come on, young man. Amen. The prophet is putting his hands on your hands. You can't miss. You can't fail. You can't mess up. You... Amen. But he thought it was just another day. He thought it was just another moment. He thought it was just another opportunity. He thought it was just another visit with the old man. Let me tell you something. When you come into the presence of God, and then if you take that attitude, you'll never get what you really need. And then, because tomorrow is not promised, and the Lord's not going nowhere. But guess what? Our time is but a vapor, and we don't know where we will be tonight, tomorrow, or ten minutes from right now. And that's why... When I come to the house of God, amen, I must maximize every single step. Amen. But without discernment. But the discernment is a gift of the Spirit. And the gift of the Spirit needs a prayer life. No prayer, no discernment. No discernment, no opportunity. Amen. The next part of maximizing an opportunity is compliance. Praise God. This is the part where it gets a little tricky for some people. Amen. Because sometimes what you're asked to do is glamorous. Sometimes it's humbling. Sometimes it's ugly. Amen. Sometimes you got to do it in public. Sometimes you have to do it in private. I mean, the woman had to shut her door and pour those pots of oil 
into the remaining vessels in the privacy of her own home. And some people are unwilling to do things unless they're public. Some people are unwilling to comply unless people can see their compliance. Amen. Sometimes God will ask you to do things publicly. Naaman was a, a general. And he had to go in the dirtiest river in the entire part of the world. And he had to get his high and mighty, snooty, snobby attitude. And not just one time. But he had to dunk himself in a river full of sewage seven times. In front of a bunch of poor folks. Amen. And some people struggle. Amen. Because God wants them to come out of their palace. And people fail to maximize their opportunity. Because they may be seen doing something humbling and lowly. Amen. Sometimes some people won't do things because they have to be done in private. And some of us won't do things because they have to be done in public. Amen. But whatever you have to do, you must comply in order to get the most out of your miracle. Amen. Little boy had to give up his lunch of fish and loaves. Amen. The friends of the crippled man had to tear off somebody's roof and maybe even foot the bill. Amen. To see a miracle. Amen. For their friend. Amen. God is asking. Amen. Will you comply whether in public or in private? Amen. Some people won't dress holy in public and some people won't pray at home in private. Amen. You will find out uh, that wherever your greatest resistance is to compliance uh, is the hindrance to your miracle. And 30 years from now, when you're wrinkled and old, uh, what you'll remember, amen, is not the opportunities that you missed, uh, amen, but it's the opportunities uh, that you didn't make the most of. Uh, I was there in that service. Uh, I was there when the preacher was preaching. I was there when sister so-and-so got healed of cancer. I was there when we had a hundred soul revival. I was there. But I wouldn't pray in private. Uh, and I wouldn't praise in public. I mean, let me tell you, you know, see. You know, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm ADD, but when I see something in the Bible, I just go through the rest of the Bible and I look for the rest of them. Amen. I, it doesn't matter if it's an apple or, or a door or a window. And so I went through all the windows of the Bible one day. And there's lots of windows in the Bible. Amen. I'm just talking about one of them. Praise God. We don't have that much time, Chris. But you know, <laughs> you know, windows are things that you see through, right? They're see-through, praise God. That's why they're see-through, praise God. Windows are things that you see through. You know, but windows are also things that you get seen through. Amen. And most of the windows are they're for us to look through. But there's other windows. They're for other people to see us. You know, somebody once said, I don't pray to be seen, but it doesn't hurt to be seen praying. <laughs> hey, man, I got Bible for it, too. Hey, man, a young lady by the name of Michael was married to a man by the name of David. He was the king. And there was a window. Had her name on it. It was the window that she saw him through. Amen. 
and she saw him dancing and worshiping and praising. And she thinks this guy has lost his mind. Uh-huh. Because David wasn't afraid to get down and dirty publicly. And then he threw off his royal garment. And he said, sister, you don't know where I come from. He said, I see you up there looking at me. He said, I know you see me with my crown and with my robe and with my royal staff and my trophies. But said, let me tell you where I come from. He said, I come from the backside of a mountain. I come where I used to roll around and play amen, in the dirt and watch sheep and sling stones. And if you think you see me, he said, you ain't seen nothing yet. I refuse to let someone's perspective of me in public block me from my... What are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing... What's your level of compliance? And are you willing to do what it takes to maximize an opportunity? Man, you need discernment, and then you need compliance. Utter, total, complete. Amen. I don't, I don't have time to go through all the things that, that people had to comply with to get a miracle. Everybody wants a miracle. Nobody wants to lose their lunch. Everybody wants a miracle. Nobody wants to get spit on in the face by Jesus. Praise God. Amen. You have to do what you have to do. You have to give what is required. And then, you see, there's the shot. There's the, the nucleus of the opportunity. That's the part that you take. But the part where he failed to maximize was not in the shot. Amen. Now, I, I, I don't care much for professional sports. I don't keep up with them. But you know, the Bible, Paul talks about athletes for no other reason because they're disciplined. And if they can be disciplined for their God, we can be disciplined for our God. And everybody knows in basketball that the shot is not over when you take it. The second part is the follow-up. And some people have been tr are trying to figure out why they can never maximize their opportunity because they take the shot. But where they fail is in the follow-up. And so the young man took the shot. But he just, he failed to follow up. And I remember, I mean, as a young pastor, I mean, trying to figure out, man, what, what everybody had their idea of what worked. And everybody was saying this and saying that. And you know, when you're young, everybody just, you know, they just got something to say. And the same when you're middle-aged and the same when you're old. So I, I guess I'm in, amen. Praise God. But something I learned, and that was Pentecostals are good at taking the shot in evangelism. I mean, we can pass out a thousand flyers. But we failed to follow up. Hey, 
Can I just can I just speak? Can I just talk about evangelism for just a moment? Amen. It doesn't matter that you took the shot. And it doesn't matter that you took a thousand flyers, passed them out, put them on doors, put them on cars. Did you follow up with one person? And in fact, I remember uh, when East Bay was first j just getting off the ground, uh, we went out to do some evangelism and some outreach. Uh, and uh, uh, Brother Prado said, you know what? I don't care how many flyers you pass out. He said, just talk to somebody. Get me a contact, a name, a number. Amen, because, uh, amen, we just think uh, that you can take shots uh, and God is just going to rain down blessings uh, and revival. Somebody has got to follow up. You got to pick up the phone. You got to fill your car up with gas on an off day. You got to... You got a call on an off night and you have to follow up. Amen, because taking the shot is not enough. Amen, it would going to maximize an opportunity it doesn't end amen when you let go of the bowstring amen amen hallelujah you follow up amen by taking an arrow amen that you that that's similar that's that that looks like that feels like that resembles what you have just released into the ether and you have to take it into your hands and remind yourself amen before that thing even hits the ground And you follow up. And then when you pass out the flyer and you pray over it. You follow up when you get the phone number and then you actually call it and make it and make it go ring. Praise God. Amen. You follow up. And then when you're looking for a job and you put the app in, but you still show up in a suit and tie. And then just to say, I put an app in. Hey, hey, can I talk to the young people? Hey, man, don't just take your shot. Follow up. Follow up. Don't give up. Keep up. Hey, if you're a young man and you're single and you're trying to get married, don't just take the shot. Follow up, homeboy. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. My wife is, she's in there. So, man, praise God. I'm just going to talk. Praise God. And I'm still trying to figure out, hey, man, how, that, how that, this whole thing worked out. Hey, man. But you know what? I prayed and I fasted and then I took my shot and then I talked to her pastor. Hey, man. I talked to her pastor. I said, there's some girl who works in your coffee shop. I'm going to get her number. Is that all right with you? Amen. I was nervous. Amen. Man, her pastor's 6'5". Amen. Praise God. <laughs> and you know what? And then I went up to her the next day, and I said, what are you doing this afternoon? She said, I'm going to the grocery store. I said, I'm going with you. <laughs> Amen. I didn't slide into her DMs. Amen. Hey, you know what's happening to young people? Hey, man, they're, 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 they're unlearning how to take shots. And they got to be hyped up and psyched up to do something basic and simple. And then people come to church. Hey, man, and people just don't know how to take shots at nothing no more. Hey Amen, because they, they measure risks and they measure their emotions and what they feel and they're numb and they have no discernment and they can't tell an opportunity when it walks up to them and it picks them in the nose. And they 
come to the house of God, feel the presence of God, and they have tears streaming down, hot, warm down their face, and they can't take the shot. And then the reason why we go to the altar, and then it's because it's your public declaration, it's your discernment. This is my moment. It's your compliance. I'm moving from where I am, and it's my. And when you lift your hands, it is your maximal effort. Come on, let's stand all over this house right now. Musicians, would you come? Amen. We're on the precipice. We're on the edge. Amen. Of a revival, of an outpouring. But God is looking for somebody, amen, who won't just discern the opportunity. Amen. But for somebody who will, amen. Amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. You see, there are days that haven't fully come. Did you hear what I said? There's a day that hasn't fully come. And what did they do before then? They waited and they tarried because Jesus said, you shall be endued with power. And then after that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. There's going to come a window of opportunity. And if you are not on your knees to meet it in prayer and consecration, it will pass you by. Let's lift our hands and begin to pray and call upon the name of the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Holy Ghost is trying to save someone from regret, from regret, from remorse. Let me just say this one, one moment. Some people think it's enough that you're here. That's good. You're in the right time, in the right timing, in the right place. Some people think because I'm here, that's it. That's not it. There's more. It's the follow-up. It's on Monday morning. It's on Tuesday. And you're here now. And that's good. But God is holding you now to a higher standard. And the prophet was mad. It was his, it was his last, it was the last miracle he would ever see. And God is asking, and God is asking, and wondering, and inquiring. Who will maximize the opportunity? of being at East Bay Bible Fellowship, of being a member. Someone, someone, you may look down the, down memory lane 20 years from now, and you may regret, I was there, I was actually there. Let's lift our hands. Let's begin to pray. These altars are open. Let's come to the altar. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to seek the face of the Lord. I'm telling you, God, God has a word for somebody. It's not enough that you're here. It's not enough that you're, you've taken the shot. God is asking for radical compliance and radical consecration.